Well, welcome again, Dorisville. You still glad to be here? Amen. Praise the Lord. That is awesome. Hey, where's our other 90-year-old mom at? Over here. Right there? Tell you what, you come by the Welcome Center, and we got a gift for you, okay? All right, so you come. Anybody that's be 90 years old deserves a gift. A man who lives to be 90 is a miracle. Tell you what, we check out early, generally speaking, but, but that's really cool. So we want to honor you this morning, so you be sure and grab that, all right? Okay, we're so glad you're here today. And this is week number two in a series that we've entitled The Weather Channel. The Weather Channel. You know, the most popular watch channel in America is The Weather, spelled the other way. And one of those popular um, features of that is your local on the eights. And what we did was we changed the word weather to weather and change it your life on the twelves. And we've taken four scriptures that follow the theme of relationship and journey. Relationship and journey. And whether we're going to follow, and today is whether we're going to yield. In week number one, we talked about, we went over here and we said there was a guy. And his name was Abram, later changed to Abraham, same guy, okay? And Abram, here's what's really cool. Abram was a pagan. I mean, he was, his society, his culture was a culture that followed many, many, many gods. He had no idea about the one true creator God. He was a pagan. And one day, creator God went to him and said, hey, Abram, hey, I want you to leave where you are. And I want you to come after me, follow me, and, and I'm going and I'm going to make your name great, and, and all the people of the world can be blessed after you, and all these incredible promises. And this is to a pagan. He wasn't he didn't even say, so like if you'll straighten your life up and quit believing these other gods, if you'll just, you know No, he just simply said, Hey, I want you to come after me and follow after me, and if you'll do that, I'm gonna do these things. And Abram did exactly that. Abram believed God. In fact, it's later recorded that Abram believed God and it was counted as righteousness. And that's incredible because that's how people go to heaven today is that we believe what God says and it's counted to us as righteousness. So Abraham got a relationship. God said, I want to come into relationship with you, which is really cool because he's really holy and he was really a pagan. But because, again, he believed God, he was counted as righteousness. And then he invited Abram on a journey. I want, he said, I want you to leave and I want you to follow after me. And Abram went on this incredible journey. And I brought it up to our time and said this. God's still doing that today. God is inviting people like you and me into a relationship, which is really cool because we're pagans too. Naturally born, we're just like not God people. We're, we have nothing to bring to God. And so we're just like regular people with no holiness in us. And God says, I want to invite you into a relationship. And he does that through his son, Jesus Christ. He does that because the wages of sin was death and Jesus paid that price. He, it's really put well. Here's what, here's what the Bible says about Jesus in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin, he being Jesus, who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. So, so God said, I want to come in a relationship and it's possible through my son Jesus Christ. Not through church or baptism, those kind of things. It's possible through my son Jesus Christ. And then he invites us on a journey. And this journey is a lifetime of following after God. And I made a pretty incredible statement last week, which really made some people feel uncomfortable, I'm sure. I said this, if you claim to have a relationship, but there's no journey, something's wrong. Because I can't find a single scripture in the Bible that says you claim a relationship with God and do what you want to do. It's always followed by 
journey of relationship, and I'm going to follow after God. So don't count on a prayer prayed when you're 12. And frankly, if you're living your life like really wild right now, and God's not on your radar, hasn't been on your radar since you were 12, okay, that's an idea, that's an indicator that you need to kind of look at what's going on between you and God. And what's really cool is the journey doesn't save you. It's not the journey that saves you. Faith in Christ saves you. The journey is just an indicator of what's happening in your life. It's kind of like a proof. It's a stamp. It's a tattoo. It's a birthmark that you've made a commitment and have a relationship with holy God. So we're invited on this journey. And today we want to look at how do we prepare for that journey. And our, our scripture today comes from Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2, a scripture I've known really since I was an RA, a royal ambassador, uh, when I was growing up, okay? And the sermon title today, and you're going to have to wait, and I hope I don't forget to bring this up, is Spaghetti Ice. You say, what is Spaghetti Ice? I'm going to tell you, if I don't forget, in a few minutes. But I'll tell you this, it has to do with pressure to conform. Pressure to conform. So go ahead and take your Bibles, please, and turn to Romans, that's in the New Testament. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2. And scriptures will be on your screen. And there's also, by the way, in your bulletin, a sermon sheet. If you'd like, pull that out and follow along on that also. All right? So we begin with what I called motivation. Motivation. Here's what the Bible says. And this is written, by the way, Paul, okay, to the church at Romans. A church he had never even visited. He just heard there was a church there. And so he wrote them this incredible letter called the Book of Romans. Here's what the Bible says. I beseech. Now, I went and used New King James. It's got a little bit of old language. And I did that on purpose because it's in my brain. Like, I learned this when I was in, like, the ninth grade. And it's always been New King James or King James all my life. So rather than gamble with another translation, what's in my head, I went with the New King James. I urge you. I, in fact, it's more than urge. I strongly urge you, he says. And here's, here's the key. Here's the key. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That's really cool because notice what he says. I urge you, therefore. Now, now, remember the rule. If the word is there, you need to find out what it's there for. If therefore is there, why is it there? Okay? And we find the answer just up in chapter 11. Let me just read it to you. In verse 33, Paul just like has a rapture moment and says this. For God, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? Here it is. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So basically Paul just says, man, God is like way incredible. He's just way incredible. He had a relationship with him. If you had a relationship, you might be able to say the same thing. God is really incredible. So Paul says, because God is so incredible, I urge you, because God is so incredible, and also by the mercies, or because of the mercies of God. Because God's love, God's compassion is so and so incredibly great. You know, I wish we could get an idea. I wish you could get an idea. Of the death that went, that God went to rescue us. I mean, we're like way out in a dangerous area. And God did everything he could to rescue us and bring us home to him. You know, we all heard the news about Osama bin Laden. You know, have you any idea? I know it's a lot of secret stuff. But, but the, the fact is, this thing has been in the plan since last August. 
And in order for this group of, of men, highly trained servicemen from the SEALs, I guess a 4-6 or something, yeah, the Navy, 4-6, okay, for them to fly into Pakistan under the radar, land in this compound, go in there and you know, have war basically in this compound, go upstairs and find Osama bin Laden. And I say, evidently he chose pretty poorly because he didn't surrender. Okay, and he was killed. And then they got out without losing one American life. That is hugely incredible. And that happened because of preparation and planning. I mean, every, they even built a compound in America so these guys could practice what the buildings look like. How incredible is that? And yet, and yet, that pales to the preparation and planning that God did to rescue us. You see, the command in the Osama bin Laden uh, mission was to capture or kill. Capture or kill. God's plan is a plan of rescue. And it is not to kill, because the Bible teaches very clearly in Ephesians that we are already dead spiritually. His plan is to bring us back to life. To make us alive spiritually. And not to capture, but to captivate. To captivate. I'm telling you, the more I learn about how incredible God is, I am just hugely captivated by Him. His love, His grace, His mercy, His power. How much He is for me and not against me. The longer I'm married to Judy, the more captivated I become by the woman she is. And the longer I'm on this journey, after the relationships established in 1975, the longer I'm on this journey, the more captivated I become with God. So he says, because of these incredible mercies, all that God did, he challenges us to do something. And we find that in presentation. Presentation. You see, with that kind of motivation... It just naturally leads to a presentation. We are driven to do something. If you truly understand the price of the cross, the cruelty of the cross, and that Jesus Christ, God became man, and he suffered what history will tell you was the worst death a man could ever, ever undergo. And yet he did it for us. He did it for us. We're driven. Once you've experienced that kind of love and that kind of sacrifice, you're driven to do something. And Paul calls it presentation. He says this. That you present, that you present, and the idea is this. If you somehow could take your life and walk into the presence of holy God, and almost if you could take your life like an instrument... And lay it before holy God and say, God, this is yours. That's the idea. That's the idea. That we present God. That we lay before God what we call our lives. That you may present your bodies. You know the word body there means in the Hebrew? Body. Literally, we present our human flesh to God for his use, at his disposal. For you present your bodies... A living sacrifice. This is really cool. Now, guess what living means in the Hebrew? Not dead. Y'all are really sharp today. Say, not dead. 
Now, see, isn't it cool? God doesn't say, okay, here's what I want you to do. And, you know, this is really weird because, again, if you know anything about the Muslim faith, the only way to absolute guarantee heaven in the Muslim faith is to be a martyr, is to die. Now, aren't you glad that God doesn't say, all right, if you really want to go to heaven, you've got to go out and die for me. Well, he does want you to die spiritually to him, be crucified with him, but not physically. So it literally means living. Living means alive, but also this. The word living is to live to the fullest. It carries the context of John 10.10. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He says, when you have this relationship with me, you've got this really incredible life. When you start understanding all that I've done for you and who I am, that I'm for you, as you start this journey with me, you have this incredible life. It is not a life of bondage. It's a life of freedom. It's not a life of rules. It's a life of freedom. It's a life of truly living life. And when Paul says, present your body as a living sacrifice, lay that abundance of life and make it at Christ, at God's disposal for the purpose of his use. Present your body a living sacrifice. Now, I was really puzzled. I just knew when I was going to get my Hebrew book or my Greek book, you know what I was going to find out? That, boy, the word sacrifice had this really cool meaning. It didn't. Just like God called on Abram to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice, so it was. Just like in the Old Testament, looking forward to the cross, the priest would sacrifice animals, so that's what it was. That we are totally to submit to the purposes and the calling of God on our lives. First comes the relationship. And he calls us on the journey. And to prepare for that journey, we really got to say, God, it is your deal over mine. God, for all practical purposes, I submit myself as dead to you. For you to use me as I take this journey. Now, you know what? You don't hear that taught in America too much. You know what you hear in America? You hear, Jesus died for you, pray a prayer, and go do what you want to do. That's real popular. But guess what? It is real wrong. In fact, have I said this before? You won't find that in this book anywhere. It's, it, listen, it makes for great offerings. It makes for big crowds. People go home, boy, I like that preacher. He, he told me this and that and that, just what I wanted to hear. Well, I love you enough not necessarily to tell you what you want to hear, but I'll tell you what this book says. And this book says when you have a relationship... You're invited on a journey, but that journey begins with you dying to self and saying, God, it is your deal, not my deal. And here's the cool part. You live this life. It's the best life ever. I've been walking with Jesus for like 36 years now, and it has been an incredible ride. Can I have a witness? Is anyone here had an incredible ride with Jesus? I'm telling you. Let me tell you what's not an incredible ride. Religion. Religion is not an incredible ride. Church rules are not an incredible ride. Just the bondage of come and sing some songs and give your money and work until you're tired and go home. That's, that's not cool. That's not a great ride. But this relationship blossoming on this journey and watching God do incredible things along the way, that is a great ride. And that's what God invites us into. Not, not, a, not a religious system but a relationship with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, I urge you, therefore, that you present your body, this abundant living sacrifice, holy. The word holy means a couple of things. Yes, it does mean pure. 
It means that, that we are called to live pure lives. Part of the problem is, is you, know, you know why the world looks at us and goes, you know, I, I don't buy that. Here's, there's two problems, actually. One is, is that we, we say we love God and go out and do the things that God hates. And then we look him in the face and say, but I'm still better than you because I go to church. And you don't go to church. And the world goes, ah, I don't like that. And they are right on target. The word holy. You know, God's got this cool book that gives us some great rules for living. I've not read any. Have you met anybody who did marriage God's way and hates their marriage? Uh, that would be a no. Have you met people who did things, you know, financial things God's way and have deep financial trouble doing it God's way? No, 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 it's not. Have you found people who just hate their job and they hate going to work? They just hate it and had a relationship with God and living that out? No, usually people, they deal with circumstances and situations. So holiness is a good thing. A pure thing. Set apart is really what the word means. Set apart. On this journey for God. Holy, acceptable, pleasing to God. Now, y'all don't, some of y'all don't like this, I know. And, and God is a spirit, and they, him, those who worship him, worship him in spirit and truth. But I want to tell you something. When I came into relationship, in fact, you know what's really cool? The Bible says, you know what makes the angels go, Woo! Glory in heaven! It's not my sermon. It's not your offering. It's when somebody gets saved. The Bible teaches that when someone says, I want a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, the angels go, ooh, 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 yeah, man, woo, shoot that thing. Well, I'm not sure they say shoot my thing, but you get the idea. You get the idea. All right? So, so holy, acceptable unto God, pleasing to God. I don't know if God has a mouth or not. But when we do Romans chapter 12, as we're journeying, we're in relationship with him, and we're journeying with him, and we're following him, saying, God, I'm trusting you. Hey, I don't understand this, God, but I'm going to trust you. He's up there going, it makes God smile. I believe it. If God's got a mouth, it makes him smile. It's well-pleasing when we present a body as a living sacrifice to him. And what's really cool is, this is our reasonable service. Now, there's two translations to this phrase. Reasonable service, spiritual worship. If you've got an NIV, a Holman Christian Standard, those kind, it says spiritual worship. If you've got New King James or, or, um, or Old King James, it says reasonable service. Let me address both those because you know what's really cool? It means both. It means both. I mean, literally in the Greek, both definitions are there. They just translate those same Greek words a different way. Okay? Now, check this out. Reasonable service. We think... We think when we get up on Sunday morning and God goes, Woo! they're going to church again. Yo, go, go to church. That's so cool. Woo! Made my day. Made my day. God's up there going, Woo! come on now. Come on. And if it's raining, you know, Baptists don't like rain. Cats don't like water and Baptists don't like water. Can I have a witness? They don't like If it's raining and God's there going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, they're not only going to church, they're going in the rain. Ah! Come on now. Come on. Part of what David read before worship, people were getting their heads cut off. People were being sawed in two for their commitment to Jesus Christ. Well, good news again. You don't have to get sawed in two necessarily. 
But when you present your body a living sacrifice, it's just reasonable. Jesus paid it all. All to Him you owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He made you white as snow. I'm telling you, listen, you will never experience the wrath of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what you did with that sacrifice. It's reasonable, man. It's reasonable. Come on, y'all didn't get that enough. It's reasonable. How do you how do you even begin to comprehend how would you repay Jesus Christ for becoming man, living a sinless life, and becoming your sin and dying on a Roman cross? How do you even think about that? How can we say that we do something like go to church and God's supposed to go, Woo! When he sent his son Jesus and he died, it's a reasonable thing. For a, one, one, one of the Greek translations, it's a rational thing. You know what's irrational? To say, I love Jesus, yes I do, I love Jesus, how about you? And claim a relationship and go out and do what you want to do and sin. That's irrational. That's like saying, I love my wife, but I got me a girl on the side. That ain't rational, son, you're sick. That's, that's not rational. It ain't spiritual either. It's irrational. It's irrational to say, I love God, I love Jesus, and go out here and do the very things that drove him to the cross. How crazy is that? Reasonable service. Now check this out. Spiritual worship. Spiritual worship. Check this out. What we do here is worship. What we do out there is worship. When you, when you go visit your neighbor and love on them a little bit, that's worship. When you, when you help in the shelters and the flood victims, that's worship. When you're up here at the mercy corner and you're helping love people and give away clothes, that's worship. When you're up on Wednesday nights with, with those 80 or 90 kids, that's worship. There's about 15 people back there in the nursery right now praying I don't go too long. And they're in worship. Come on now. They're in worship. Hey, hey, young parents who just dedicated your children, when you commit your life to being a godly parent, that's worship. Hey, grandparents, when you invest your life in your grandkids and your kids' lives, that's worship. Come on, y'all. Shoot that thing. Worship. It's our spiritual worship. How incredible is that? How incredible is that? It's really cool. This is so easy. Well, Dwayne, you're talking about being prepared for the journey and, and the job script for the journey. Can we just go back a couple of weeks ago? Some of y'all weren't here then. And I said this. If God had a to-do list, here's what it would look like. Now, again, it wouldn't be help Dwayne to find a new car. Help John to get into the right fraternity. Help my kid get a scholarship. Let him be on the starting five on the basketball team. That's just not on God's to-do list. Now, God, you can pray those, and God may like answer your prayer even, but that's not on... You know what God's to-do list looks like? God's to-do list would be, one, glorify my name. Glorify my name. Bring glory to my name. Number two on the to-do list, rescue people. Rescue people. Bring people into a relationship through my son, Jesus Christ. You know what spiritual worship looks like? Bringing glory to God and bringing people into His kingdom. You know, what, you know what it looks like in a church? When the church works together to glorify God and to bring people into the kingdom. 
to rescue people. That's what it looks like. And Paul says it's our reasonable service. It's our spiritual worship when we do this. And that leads to, how's that happen, Dwayne? If I'm going to take this journey, that seems overwhelming. How does that happen? Transformation. Look what he says. And do not be conformed. Now, this is really cool. How many of y'all, like, were children of the 60s and 70s? If you, were a, if you were a teenager in the 60s or 70s, raise your hand. Come on, get your hands up. Yeah, come on. Woo, power, flower, power. You know, all that good stuff, right? And what's the big deal? Don't want to conform, man. Don't want Dude, have I got a message for you today. God's Word, all you flower, power children from the 60s and 70s, God says, don't conform. Come on now. Come on. See, y'all, y'all wonder why people wear their pants like this? Have you been to the mall and they wear their pants down this? And they walk like this? Come on now. Try to keep their pants up. Come on. Now, now why do you do that? That's not even logical, is it? You know why? Because they're making a statement. I'm different. I can walk like this so I can be different and keep my pants up. You know why tats are a big thing right now? Hey, I'm not against tats. You know, tats are a big deal. It's, a, it's, a, it's an individual thing saying, I'm different from you. I'm different from you. So all these people are saying, I don't want to conform. Well, man, you should be jumping on the Jesus boat. Because he says, don't be conformed by the world. See, that's where spaghetti, spaghetti ice comes in. I really wish I could find a picture, but I didn't even try to Google it because I don't think there is one. Back when we were very young, and we lived in Germany in the Air Force, we would drive 20 miles to a little ice cream shop. And this ice cream shop served spaghetti ice. What they do is this. I can see it to this day. First, they would take a glob of thick whipping cream and scoop it on a plate. Then would take this very rich vanilla ice cream. They would open up this hopper and put the ice cream in there, and they would squeeze it down. They would pressure it down, and it would come out this little thing at the end with all these little tiny holes in it. And when it came out, it went in looking like ice cream and came out looking like spaghetti. Then they took it and put strawberry sauce on it, and then they put grated coconut, and it looked just like a pile of spaghetti. But let me just tell you something. It didn't taste nothing like spaghetti. It was awesome, and it's been like 25 years, and I still remember it. Here's what you've got to understand. There's a world out there, and they pressure you to conform. I promise you, some of those guys who are walking around like this are asking themselves, why am I doing this for? I promise you. Some of y'all got tattoos of past girlfriends and you're married to another woman. And you're saying, why did I do that for? Pressure to conform. It's cool. Do it. And God's word says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let the world pressure you. But Dwayne, is so hard. Yes, yes, I've got a relationship. And Dwayne, it started last week. It started three months ago. It started ten years ago. Dwayne, I've got the relationship. And I really want to do this journey. But man, the pressure is so hard. Want me to conform. What's the answer? We got it. Because God's word says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, made new by the renewing of your mind. God says, I got a way 
to transform you. And this is outside of salvation. Man, when you get saved, you're born, you're, you're made new. This is practical. This is relationship. This is how you walk the journey. This is how you keep from getting over here, somewhere over here, where you shouldn't be doing adultery and stuff. Okay? Porn. That kind of junk. Okay? This is how you keep that from happening. You be transformed and allow God to renew your mind in your daily journey walk with Him. What does that look like? I told a friend this week, this is incredibly important. If you want to walk, if you want a relationship, you know, you start your relationship and you want to walk this journey, you've got to get in this book. Now, Judy Taylor is one of the best cooks I know. I mean, she is. But if I said to her, okay, G. Taylor, I want you to cook for me twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday. I would become quickly anemic. I don't care how good the food was. You've got to have more food than three times a week if you're going to survive and thrive physically. Can I have an amen? Now, I'm telling you, you cannot. I don't care who the preacher is. I don't care if it's Billy Graham. I don't care who it is. You can't survive and do the journey thing on three messages a week. You've got to get into the Holy Word of God yourself every day and get you a good dose of spiritual food into your life. And you want to know the benefits of this? The benefits of this is going to save your marriage. Now, when you hear and apply, it's going, to, it's going to straighten your finances out. It's going to restore some relationships that you've got that are broken. That bitterness of, of unforgiveness in your life, this is going to help you overcome that. This will transform your mind. The Word of God. The Word of God. Prayer. Prayer. I can't get by with talking to Judy once a week. Some of you husbands are trying and it's not working. You've got to have a daily conversation with God. And that's what it is. It's not, it's not God. Prayer is not just, okay, God, give me this, give me this, give me this. Prayer is intimacy with God. It's talking with God. It's saying, hey, God, I trust you. This is, listen, it's your deal over mine. It's your call, God. It's your call. I know what I want. I'll tell you what I want. But God, ultimately, it's your call. It's intimacy with God. So you got the Word of God. you got prayer. you got worship. you got worship. You know what? Church is important. Would someone say amen? Church is important. Church won't save you. In fact, some churches will ruin you. But church is important because you need the corporate worship. Again, I told my friend this week. I said, man, when you take an ember out of a fire... It dies. Put the ember back in the fire and it glows. We need each other. We need relationships. We need relationships. You need to be able to come to a corporate place of worship with people who are on the journey like you're on the journey. And, and what you're going through, they may have gone through three weeks ago. So let me tell you, I've been through that. Let, let me tell you about that. Worship. And then, I can't really think of a way to say this besides a God awareness. A God awareness. As you walk along, you may not see burning bushes, but as you walk along, you see God work. Let me tell you like a one minute story. Very good friend of ours, some of you met Tony Calabrese. Tony was up in Chicago, he lives in southern Illinois. He's up in Chicago, he either A gets dizzy or B has a stroke. He's on the top bleacher, top stand in a bleacher, he falls and Matt, this sounds familiar, he whacked his head. When he came to, couldn't move, 
like totally couldn't speak, didn't know who he was, when it was or nothing. Amazingly, one, there was a paramedic, a fireman and a nurse right there. What a coincidence. Remember where he was. He wasn't down in Union County at where Anna Hospital, which is a nice hospital. Union County Hospital is a nice hospital, but they couldn't handle this. He happened to be a short distance away from one of the stro- top stroke hospitals in the state of Illinois. Happened to be. He gets there and says he's on the blood thinner, so they can't do the clot buster that just saves um, stroke victims. The only thing they can do, they said, is we need to do a surgery and you do it right away. Oh, two doctors in the state that does that procedure happen to be at that hospital. They go in through his groin, all the way up to his brain, and suck out the blood clot. The next day, he was moving, he was talking, he was A-OK. Now, was that a coincidence that he was in Chicago next to that hospital, next to those doctors, and there's EMT right there? No! That's God working. Come on now, that's God working. That's God working. And I bet you Tony's going to log this one down. Tony's going to say, let me tell you about the day that God showed up. I can tell you about a day in Africa that God showed up. And I hope you've got stories where you say, God showed up in your life. That's how you get transformed. That's how you get transformed. There's a God awareness about where you're going on your journey. Look for God as you walk day by day. It may not be church, it may be on the job, but look for God. Look in your parenting, you'll see handiworks of God in your midst. So he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove, that you may discern that what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you may discern, that you may discover the will of God. Which is good, acceptable, and perfect. As you renew your mind, you're going to discover the will of God for you. And there's nothing better. It's all great. It's all acceptable when you're walking in the will of God. God can save you some some real headaches. God can save you some real tragedies. God can do incredible things in your marriage and your finances and all these things that so overwhelm us if we'll let him do it. You see... The journey is incredibly important. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful as we begin this relationship, we'll get misdirected on the journey and think the journey is about something else. Because the world's vision of the journey is get get whatever title you can if you need that to make money. But bottom line is the journey is get money, get stuff, get sick, and get dead. Isn't that the world's journey? We go through life. We amass money so we can buy things. We get old, we retire, we get sick, and we die. The incredible thing is God's journey is wholly different. Oh, there's nothing wrong with things. Nothing wrong with making money. Again, as long as things don't own you and you own things. As long as you realize money is a tool, it's not something of power. And the incredible thing is, yeah, one day we get sick and we die. But we just keep on living in a place called heaven. God, I'm going to trust God on this one. I'm going to close by reading something to you. Because so many of you here today, listen. So many of you here today are missing the journey. You may have a relationship, but you're missing the journey. And this in a secular way, although this man was a Christian, 
He references the Bible. He was a very good Christian man. Talks about the journey that we're on. And talks about an alternative to the journey that ultimately leads in a better place. It's called The Station. And by the way, I have 50 copies available. It'll be at the Welcome Center. If you'd like a copy of this, one per family, come by and see Judy, my wife, at the Welcome Center, and we'll give you a copy of The Station. Here's what it says. Tucked away in our subconscious mind is this vision in which we see ourselves on a long journey that spans an entire continent. We're traveling by train, and from the windows, we drink in the passing scenes of cars on nearby highways, of children waving at crossings, of cattle grazing in distant pastures, of smoke pouring from power plants, of row upon row upon row of cotton, wheat, and corn, of flat lands and valleys, of city skylines and village halls. But uppermost in our conscious mind is the final destination. For a certain hour on a given day, our train will finally pull into the station with bells ringing, flags waving, and bands playing. And once that day comes, so many wonderful dreams will come true. So restlessly we pace the aisles and count the miles, peering ahead, waiting, waiting, and waiting for the station. Yes, when we reach the station, that will be it, we promise ourselves. When we're 18, when we win the promotion, put the last kid through college, buy that big Mercedes Benz, have a nest egg for retirement. From that day on, we will all live happily ever after. Sooner or later, however, we must realize that there is no station in this life. No one earthly place to arrive at once and for all. The journey is the joy. The station, really, in this life is an illusion. It constantly outdistances us. Yesterday's a memory. Tomorrow's a dream. Yesterday belongs to history. Tomorrow belongs to God. Yesterday's a fading sunset, tomorrow's a faint sunrise. Only today is there light enough to love and to live. So gently close the door on yesterday and throw the key away. It isn't the burdens of today that drive men mad, but rather regret over yesterday and the fear of tomorrow. Regret and fear are twin thieves who would rob us of today. Relish the moment is a good motto. Especially when comply, coupled with Psalm 118.24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So stop pacing the aisles and counting the miles. Instead, swim more rivers. Climb more mountains. Kiss more babies. Count more stars. Laugh more and cry less. Go barefoot more often. Eat more ice cream. Ride more merry-go-rounds. Watch more sunsets. And may I interject here. Love Jesus. Find his journey for your life, which will have so much of going barefoot and eating ice cream cones and enjoying your wife and your children and and touching the lives of people and leaving your fingerprints all over your world. Life must be lived as we go along. The station will come soon enough. And so we have a relationship with God as we journey with him, that station one day is a place called heaven. And we'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And there'll be people there that we led to Jesus along the way. And they'll walk up and say, thank you. Thank you for telling me about the man who changed your life. 
And without a relationship and no real journey, we end and the station becomes eternally separated from God. You know, I'm going to tell you something. Heaven is not for good people and hell is not for bad people. Heaven is for forgiven people. You see, if heaven was for good people, nobody would go because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There will be some really good people in hell. But they'll be in hell because they never received forgiveness, had a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't need church. You don't need religion. You need Jesus. And it is Jesus Christ who makes the journey worthwhile. And the words of Robert Hastings, it's going barefoot, it's eating ice cream, but it is Jesus who makes the journey worthwhile. And we do this different ways, but today we're going to do it the old-fashioned way because we have a larger crowd. But my friend Brent Holloway, who's on staff here with me, will be standing down front. And we're going to have the eyes closed so no one's going to be peeking around, not trying to make this hard for you. The truth is we know about the journey and we want to share it with you. This isn't to make you humble thing. This isn't an embarrass you thing. This is we got some information you really need. And we want to share it with you. And by the way, I'll meet you back there at that door and you say, I want to know about the journey. I'll break away from the crowd and we'll sit down and talk right now on Mama's Day. But he'll be waiting right down here front for you. And we got some friends who'll take this book that I talked about and tell you what God's Word says about sin, forgiveness, and a relationship with Him and the journey. Dave's going to be leading us in the music. He'll be singing for us while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And I want to invite you to come take Brent and say, Brent, I want to know about the relationship. I want to know about the journey. If I can help you after church, Brother Dave, you saw him lead worship. Brent has participated in the service today. Or other people that you know here say, I want to know about this journey. I want to know about this relationship with God. I've gone to church and it's nothing like Dwayne talked about. I want to know how I can know Jesus and how I can be on the journey. And we'll be glad to share with you today. Would you bow your heads, please, right there where you are? Before I even pray, thank you for your patience. I know we had a long service day. I kept glancing at my watch. You were so incredibly patient, and I thank you for that. Now, allow me to pray just for us today right now, and particularly for those of you who may not know Jesus, who may have never been on the journey before. Let me pray for you that you'll have the courage, with head bowed and eye closed, just to come and say, Dwayne, friend, I want to know about this journey. I need Jesus in my life. Father, thank you for the incredible privilege that's mine of sharing your word. Thank you, God. Thank you that you call us into relationship. You led the ultimate rescue journey. And you sent your son Jesus to die for us that we could have forgiveness of sins. And that blows my mind. And then, God, you invite us to live our lives on this journey with you. The best life we could ever imagine. And that, too, is incredible. I know there are friends here on the radio and there are friends in this audience right now who so badly need this. They do. Life is hard for them. Life is hard for them. And God, right now, you're inviting them into a relationship and to the journey. So I want to pray for them, Father, right now. And God, for those of us who know you, we're on our journey too. Help us to be willing to present our bodies as living sacrifices holy and acceptable unto you, and help us realize this is our reasonable service, our spiritual worship. Help us not to be conformed to this world, 
but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove was that good, acceptable, and perfect. Yes, the will of God. Sweet Holy Spirit, do your work today. A work that men can't understand. A work today in the lives of people. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.